Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Howdy, everybody. I want to just, again, just recap a little bit about what Brandon's done in this series. First off, can we give Brandon a hand for the work he's done in this series? It's been an amazing series. It's been great. Um, I, th- I remember when we were putting the se- sermon s- series plans together, he just felt like this was a message that he was called to preach and that, um, you know, this is what our church needs to hear. And I, I agree completely. It's been awesome for my heart and I, I believe for so many of us just finding freedom, you know, we, we identifying the lies that we believe and replacing that with the truth of God's word and then um, battling battling the enemy with the sword, with the weapon that God gave us, which is the Word of God, which is the Bible. And then last week, just talking about reframing our perspective. You know, are we focused on our situation or are we focused on our king who has the ability to to replace our situation with a but God? Um, and so I'm going to wrap up this series uh, with, with one more message, and I hope it's, it's good for your heart. Um, and so if you brought your brick-and-mortar Bibles with you today, feel free to open to Philippians chapter 4. Um, I'm, I'm not going to start there, but that's where we're going to really be camping out. So Philippians chapter 4, we're just going to use that as an outline for our guide uh, for our time today. But before we do that, I just want to give a, um, a picture of what we're going to be talking about. And it, this is a, a passage from Isaiah chapter 61, not all the, not all the scriptures on the screen. But it, it really gives this, I, this image of what a real full lifetime of relationship with, with God looks like. And it starts off, he, he just says... I am called to preach good tidings. And like that's where, that's where so many of our stories are going to begin. The preaching the good news of, you know, you, do, you don't have to pay for your sins. Jesus offers you an opportunity to receive salvation, an opportunity to spend forever with him. Right? The first thing we, we as believers need to do is we need to know God. Like, that's the first thing all of us need to do is know God. And then he goes on and he says, I'm called to proclaim liberty to the captives. I think it's so cool that God doesn't just say, all right, you made a decision to follow me. I'll see you in 50 years, 70 years, whenever, you're, whenever your time on earth is up. But he's proactively working with us and for us, and he's, he's proclaiming liberty. He's giving freedom to each one of us. So first step is know God. The second step is find freedom. Third step, um, he says, I'm called to comfort those who mourn and to, to give beauty out of ashes. And it's just that whole picture of, you know, when I, when, when I, when I have a relationship with Jesus, he's going to show me my purpose. And then that fourth thing, he, he says, and then I'm going to rebuild the old ruins. I'm going to raise up former desolations. I'm going to repair the ruined cities. Like when, we, when we're on fire for Jesus, there's nothing that we can't do. We'll discover our purpose and we're going to make a difference. But smack, you just saw that verse, smack dab in the middle of this, this, this very joyful, this very exciting message, we see something that says, I'm called to give the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. See, I, I think that I just want you to know, like, no matter whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, like, we're, we're always going to have moments of, of hard times, of mourning, a spirit of heaviness, a spirit where we just like, man, God, I, I can't change my circumstance. And that can really leave us feeling this, this feeling of, like, of sadness, of anxiety, of depression, of worry. And I believe God wants to really change our perspective on that, change, shift our perspective. I believe that, you know, I believe that God has the power to change our circumstance, but I believe He also wants us to experience joy 
and peace in the midst of our circumstance. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today is how we can receive and find joy and peace in the middle of our circumstances. I think the first thing we need to know is, is sometimes you have to choose joy before you feel joy. Sometimes you have to choose it before you feel it. And a really good example of that in the, in the Bible is the, the Paul uh, and his life. You know, he, he goes on in, in Scripture to, to talk about one time I was shipwrecked, like a guy literally purchased a ship to, with, the, with the intent to just run me over, to ruin his ship and, and destroy me. So I was shipwrecked, and then I was bobbing. I was holding on to some pieces of wood, and I was bobbing in the water for a day and a half. And I got out of the water, and I immediately got bit by a snake and went unconscious for a while. And, you know, he goes on and he shares things like, you know, I was given the 39 lashes that Jesus received where they take a whip and they put little shards of glass and wire on the end of it. I, that happened to me five times. Uh, you know, I, I uh, was beaten with rods in the back of my leg so I couldn't walk. He was stoned and like not in like a recreational way. Like some people think like, well, he got a little bit of relief, you know, but like that is not the case. And in the middle of all of his cert, all of that, he kept saying, "But I have the I have victory." In the middle of in the middle of all this, I have victory. I have there's joy, regardless of the circumstance that I'm in. I, I have joy. He says it this way. He says, "I'm sorrowful, yet I'm always rejoicing. I'm making many rich, but I have nothing, and I'm possessing everything. I have nothing, and I'm possessing everything." You know, I think that, you know, I was, I was having a conversation with Brandon about uh, the direction that this should go. And I was, I was asking him, you know, how do we experience joy in the middle of our circumstance? And he was talking about, you know, the first choice we can make in experiencing joy is to pray. The first thing is prayer. And that's going to be a lot of what our message is going to be focused on is, is, is prayer. I think that prayer should be our first response and not our last resort. I'm guilty of this. I think a lot of us are are guilty of what I call fire alarm prayers, where, you know, we've done everything we can to try and fix our circumstance, to try and change it, and then we get to the point where we can't, and so we say, God, I need your help. But I believe that prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Not our last resort. Uh, Our our core text, Philippians 4, uh, starting in verse 4, it, it says it this way. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. And if I asked you, if you'd never read this, this uh, section in Scripture before, if I asked you where Paul was writing this letter from, you would have never guessed because the answer is it's in the dungeon of a prison. He's, I mean, not that prisons are great now, but prisons were really bad a long time ago. And he was in the dungeon of this area, which is where like it's halfway filled up with sewage. So he's walking through sewage, and he's being guarded by two guards who are probably very mad that this guy is such a passionate follower of Jesus, of Jesus that they have to stand in sewage for, for the entire day to guard this guy. So it's probably a really, really ugly situation. And he says rejoice or joy 27 times in this book. In this, in this book, he says it 27 times. And in this passage, he says, rejoice. I say it again, rejoice. It's because when you've joiced, you've got to rejoice. You've got to re over and over and over and over. We have to rejoice in the midst of our circumstance. And I want to, I want to spend the rest of our time talking about the five ways that prayer is going to, we're going to experience joy through prayer. The first one is that prayer replaces worry. Prayer replaces worry. 
I think so often we go into a prayer not knowing how the circumstance is going to go, and we say, God, I just, I'm so worried. I have so much anxiety. I have so much stress about this situation, and, and I, don't, I don't know how to do it. And I think it, well, the, the word worry, in, in, the, in the Greek, it's this picture of somebody being strangled or being choked. Like, I'm under so much pressure that I don't know how the circumstance is going to work out. I don't know. I don't know the outcome of the circumstance. Verse 6 of our, of our text, it says, don't be anxious about anything or don't worry about anything is another, another way to put, put it. See, I believe that worry, stress, anxiety, whatever, borrows from the future. Like, we're experiencing feelings and emotions right now that we're not called to experience right now. Like, imagine if you're worried about a circumstance or you have fear about a circumstance and then it comes to pass, like it actually happens. Then we have worried two times. And some of us will worry about circumstances that are never going to happen and never do happen. And I mean, that's just, we're, we, we're feeling emotions for absolutely no reason. We are worried about things that aren't going to happen. And, and Jesus puts it this way. He says, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And seven verses later, he comes to this conclusion. He says, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And I think this is a really good uh, way to check your heart because I think the things we worry about most are the areas that we trust God in the least. Think about the, the areas where you're feeling stress and anxiety and worry because that's, that's where the areas where we're trying to do it on our own. And honestly, we're not doing a very good job of, of handling that on our own. We need to just give it to the Lord. Prayer replaces worry. Uh, before I move on to number two, I want to do one exercise with you guys. Uh, I want you to guys to just think about that thing in your life that's causing depression, anxiety, stress, worry, whatever it is. I want you to, to picture that in your head. And I'm going to read a, 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 a quote from C.S. Lewis. It's a little lengthy. Um, but this is uh, C.S. Lewis' response to, to people who were worried after the atomic bombs were dropped in Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Uh, he writes a response to people who are, are just feeling so much worry and nerves and anxiety. And whenever I say the word atomic bomb, I want you to replace it with that thing that's in, in your mind. Maybe it's financial stress. Maybe it's COVID. Maybe it's a relationship or a friendship or something. I want you to, to think about that. Anytime I use the word atomic bomb, this is what C.S. Lewis says. In one way, we think a great deal too much about the atomic bomb. How are we supposed to live in an atomic age? And I'm tempted to reply, why, as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat at any night, or indeed as you're already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, don't let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. How many of us got so annoyed, not just from the word COVID in 2020, but from the word unprecedented? Like, there's a lot of precedent. There's been a lot of reasons to worry. There's always going to be reasons to worry. It's not unprecedented. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all who you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. It's perfectly ridiculous 
to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have just added one more chance of a painful and premature death to a world which was already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance, it's a certainty. This is the first point to be made, and this is the first action to be taken, and this is where I hope we'll find freedom. This is the first action to be taken. Where was I? To pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it finds us, comes, find us doing sensible and human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, but not huddled together like frightened sheep thinking about bombs. It may, they may break our bodies, but they need not dominate our minds. I think it's so valuable, the words that Jesus said, because even if it all does turn out bad, let's just grab some joy in, in the presence of God right now. Worrying doesn't add a single hour to our life. Prayer replaces worry. We'll find, we'll find peace in the midst of prayer when we're worried. Number two, prayer relinquishes control. So I think there's so often we spend time trying to, we're praying about a situation. We say, God, we want, I want your help in this. But we're trying to co-solve the problem with God. Like we're trying to tell him how it needs to be handled. Or God, I need you to do this right now. I need you to, I need you to change my bank account number. Like we're trying to co-solve it, but really we're the ones in the throne of, of our prayer. And uh, in our text, verses 6 and 7, it puts it this way. By prayer and petition... With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that word present, present your requests to God, in the Greek, like what, what he meant was that we're, we're supposed to have our request. We're supposed to bring it, place it at his feet, wipe our hands, and walk away. And say, God, this is yours. I have no control over this situation. This is totally yours. And verse 7, like we just read, is going to show us how do we know that we have really given our problem to God? Because the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. Like, it, it transcends all understanding because your circumstance hasn't changed. But there's a peace because you're not the one holding it. God's the one holding it. You can know you've given it to God because, because he's given you a peace. And I want to put it this way. It can't be God's problem and my problem at the same time. Who's, in control, who's, who's handling the problem? Is it you or is it God? It can't be God's problem and my problem at the same time. Scripture puts it this way. It says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And we get a real good picture of that word cast, like throwing a, a fishing line, like casting it. Like, God, you have it. It is yours. I'm giving it to you. There's another translation, the Phillips translation, which is maybe a more modern one. It says, you can throw the whole weight of your anxieties on him because you are his personal concern. And I want you to know there's not a worry that's too big or a worry that's too small to give to God. There's nothing that you can't give to God. Like, God is infinite. There's no big things and little things to God. They're all just things. Like, when Jesus was, was when he'd heard the news about his friend Lazarus, uh, who had died... And he'd been dead for days. He's like, okay, well, I'll just come out of the tomb. Like, there's no big things or little things to God. They're just things. 
There's nothing that he doesn't care about because you are his personal concern. If you're carrying it, you don't have to be. That's the point I want you to to know. If you're carrying it, you don't have to be. Uh, Paul puts it this way. He says, may the God of hope fill you with joy and fill you with peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the hardest part of that verse is the, the phrase, as you trust him. It's something that is so hard to do to just truly say, God, this is yours, it's not mine. But when we do, there's, there's a power, there's joy, there's peace when we, when we relinquish control, when we give it to him. Number three, prayer regulates our thinking. You know, this is, I don't have to convince anybody of this. This is the, probably the worst age in the world in terms of media, whether it's things that we're seeing, putting in our eyes, or putting in our ears, or putting in our minds. There's, there's never been a time like this bad in terms of social content and, and things that we can, we can see. You know, whether it's a, a show you're watching or something you're seeing that you shouldn't be looking at, um, or maybe it's a, something you're reading, like a comment, that some, a negative comment somebody has said about you or, or about the president or about a friend or whoever it is. Like there's so much junk that just pollutes our, our bodies, our souls, our minds. And a lot of us, we think we're these experts at, at filtering through like, oh, no, I, I, can, I can manage this. I'm good. But that's not true. And I think that, you know, one of the most valuable things we can do is focus on heaven. Like Paul puts it this way in verse 8 of our text. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or if anything is praiseworthy, think about those things. It's so cool that, you know, I, I always picture when I'm in prayer that I am out, I, I close my eyes. Everybody does. It's not a requirement. But I close my eyes and I imagine that I am no longer on planet Earth, but I am just sitting in the presence of God. And I'm letting him take empty that filter, and I'm letting him replace it with those things, with things that are good, with things that are admirable, with things that are loving. Let, go to him and let him replace it. We need to set our, things, set our minds on things above, not on, not on earthly things. Maybe some of us need to take it a step further and consider fasting from some of those things. You know, I've got a, a lot of digital fasts and different things like that that I try to manage and um, you know, just help replace, clean that filter. But ultimately, the only way we can is to, to go to God in prayer with that. Uh, C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He says, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. If we're trying, if we're trying to manage the filter that, that we look through and on our own, then it's not going to work. We need to aim at heaven and we'll get earth thrown in. Number four, prayer reveals contentment. A lot of times we go into a prayer saying, you know, I, I always look at the Acts method, the adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Like adoration is like, God, you are holy. You are set apart. You are amazing. I love you so much. You're, you're powerful. Like that's adoring God, like describing who he is. C is confession. Like, God, I'm so sorry for, like I ask for forgiveness for this area of my life. Uh, T is thanksgiving. Like saying, God, I, thank you for this day. Thank you for blessing me with, you know, fill in the blank. I think a lot of times we can really zoom past those first three and get to the, the fourth one, which is supplication, like saying, God, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. But the coolest thing is, is, is when we go into prayer, like, we'll realize that we actually don't need those things. Like, when we're spending time in prayer, we realize that we actually have what we need. 
Our text in verse 12 says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty, and I have learned the secret of being content in every situation. I think he learned that because, like he said earlier in the text, the Lord is near. I am in the presence of God. The Lord is near. Like, I don't, I don't need this. This is not a, this is not a necessity. He, the second half of that verse says, whether I'm well-fed or whether I'm living in plenty or in want, like, I have all that I need. The, one of the most famous psalms in, in Scripture, Psalm 23, starts off by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. If I have the Lord, I have all that I need. Prayer reveals our contentment. And lastly is, number five, is prayer relies on God. You know, I think that a lot of us do have genuine needs. Like Jesus, he said, God, give us this day our daily bread. Like, we have things that we need, and we just, we need to rely on you for those things. Our, our text, it says, um, I'll, I'll come back to that. I think we, we have genuine things that we need. And, and our text uh, says that there's, we can find joy in, in these next two verses. The first one is Philippians 4.13. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That phrase, I can, I can, I can. And then six verses later in verse 19, it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Like, that's so powerful. I can and my God, I can because my God will. Like, do we actually believe that? Do we sit, do we, like, man, I don't have the finances to pay for that bill this month. I'm going to tithe because my God will provide. I don't, I don't know the right thing to say to my kid, but I'm just going to pray because my God will answer him. My God will show up in his life because, because he, he is his primary concern. God loves us so much. He will provide. Do we actually rely on God or are we, are we relying on ourselves? What are we relying on? Are, when we pray, we rely on God. I want to wrap up with with one last, one last thing. It's uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 20. It'll be on the screen. It says, Those who trust in the Lord will be joyful. There's joy in trusting in God and relying on Him. See, I think, I want to share this quick story. Uh, before I was employed here, I was employed at Youth for Christ just over down the road. And, um, you know, we had this room called the Couch Room which uh, is where we did all of our meetings on Thursday. The entire staff would gather together and we would talk about the things that were uh, important for the upcoming week or a trip or something that was coming up. And the couch room, there was full of couches, but it's those couches that like people say, hey, I want to just donate my couch to you. But it's like, I want to throw this couch away. Will you please come and pick it up? Like those were the couches we were sitting on. And I was sitting on this couch. I I sat in the same spot every single week. It was this leather couch, um, and it was like the leather was peeling off, so like whenever you would stand up, like leather would go with you. Like that was the type of couch I was standing on, or sitting on. And uh, there was a two-person couch, and there was another guy. His name was Troy Shockey. Um, and at the time, I was, well, I was the youngest staff member they'd ever hired, and Troy was the oldest they'd ever hired. I won't say his age uh, out of respect, but we would, at the end of every meeting, we would sit on the couch, just the two of us, and we would, we would talk like, hey, what are, the, what are the things you need prayer coverage for? Uh, what events do you have going on this week that you need prayer for? And then we would say, you know, what are the highs? What, what's, what's going well in your life? How can, we, how can we celebrate God in that? 
And then what are the lows? Like, what, how's, how's this area in your life going? I know you, you said it was rough last week. How's it this week? And we, you know, we would talk about all aspects of our life, and we would just go in to go to God and pray. And we just say, God, thank you so much for showing up. And, and when we felt the presence of God, we would, we would know that, like, okay, God's, God's here. We can stop. Like, God's in this now. And I want you to know that it doesn't matter what condition you go into prayer with, you're always going to leave changed. You're always going to leave changed. And it's, I, I have this, this, this image of like, how do I say it? We, um, we feel like when we pray, we're, we're calling God to come into our situation. We say, man, God, come into this county. God, God show up in this church. Come into this church. God, come into my house. Come into the lives of my kids. Come into fill in the blank. Come into my finances. We feel like we're calling God into it when we pray. The truth is, is prayer doesn't move God towards us. Prayer moves us towards God. I just have this image of a statue. Like Genesis chapter 1 says that God created us in his image. And a lot of, a lot of people think, like, you know, what, is, what does that mean? Like, does God have, like, hands and feet, like toes and stuff? Like, or does it mean, like body, mind, and spirit, like three in one? Like, what does it mean? And that word is actually talking about vocation, like the thing that we're called to do. We're called to be an image of God. We're called to be like a statue of God. Like when, we, when they see us, they see God. And, uh, you know, I think it's super interesting that if you look, uh, if, you go, if you were to go to Rome and you were to look at all of the statues they have of Julius Caesar in Rome, there's only maybe one or two statues of Julius Caesar in Rome. There are more statues of Julius Caesar hundreds of miles away from Rome than there are in Rome. And I think that's done intentionally because people who are in Rome don't need to know who their king is. Like, if you are a follower of Jesus, we know who our king is. And there's people out there who need hope and need joy and, and are in a really rough situation. And they're asking, like, I need help. And we have the opportunity to not, not send God, but God can send us. We move closer to God because we can be an image. We can be a statue of God this week. And I want to, I want to challenge you guys to those two things, to just spend time in his presence and to be an image for somebody else because he's calling us to them. He can solve the situation. It's crazy because so many times when we pray and we ask God to do something right now, he doesn't do it. But he does it. He, he solves the situation through his people. That's his choice. That's how he does things, through us. So my, I'm going to pray real quick. And the worship team's going to come back out. Let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. God, you are so powerful. You're so magnificent. God, you're, you're so big. You're so, you're so wonderful. God, there's so many reasons to rejoice because of all the things you've done, whether it be um, just bringing us to salvation or, or just the ways you show up. God, don't let us take any of the, any of the gifts for granted. Let us, let us see you in your full glory today. God, I just pray that uh, when we spend time in prayer, God, it just, it changes us. God, that we, we stop worrying. We give you all of, all of the things that are going on in our life. We give you all of it, the big and the small. God, that we let you change our thoughts. God, we let you control, we let you ch- change that filter, replace it with, with good things, with pure things, with holy things. And God, we just ask, God, that, that you let us be your image this week. God, as we go into our community, into our work, into our school, into our uh, sporting event, whatever it is, God, I just pray that, that somebody asks, 
Why is that person celebrating in the midst of a rough circumstance? And, they, and then we have the opportunity to say, because I have a relationship with God, it doesn't make any sense, but I know he's got my back. I just pray that you change our hearts and you, and you make an impact in your kingdom. Uh, for the, you make an impact in the world for your kingdom this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.